0: Well, hey, Lex City family, my name is TJ Claussen, I am the students director here at Lex City. Uh, my wife Tia and I have been here just a little over a year and we have absolutely loved being a part of this church family. Since moving from Colorado, we have just so enjoyed the students that are here and partnering with our families here at Lex City. And I feel like I'm really becoming a Kentuckian now. I've already lost money at Keeneland. I've had a hot brown from Ramsey's. I've shopped at Kentucky for Kentucky. We've hiked the gorge. I'm one UK basketball game away from the official stamp of citizenship on my ID. And so hopefully in 2023, when sports come back, we can make that happen. I'm hoping that's a joke. But I have so loved just going through these parables again this summer. Some of the parables bring me back to when I was a kid and I was in Sunday school learning these stories and these awesome stories of Jesus. Maybe many of you in Kid City can relate and you have remembered some of these stories like the house on the rock versus the house on the sand. Others of the parables take me back to when I was a teenager and I was serving in kids ministry. And me and my friends would always help act out the parables. And I remember we used to love the good Samaritan. But we would always fight about who gets to be the robber because we wanted to be the one who gets to fake punch somebody on stage and the kids would go crazy and it was always the best role to play. And so I do know the real meaning of the Good Samaritan, but my mind always remembers that the robber is the best role to play. But the beauty of the parables is that we can still come back to them even as adults and continue to get an even deeper and richer meaning. It's the beauty of Jesus's stories. They're so rich and they're telling us about the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if you realized it, but every parable starts with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. And what Jesus is doing in these stories is telling us what it's like in God's kingdom. These aren't just stories of good morality. They're actually stories of how things work in God's kingdom and when you are living under God. And so it's not just a better morality in the stories, it's actually God's morality in the stories. It's not just better stewardship, it's God's stewardship. It's not just better priorities, they're God's priorities in these stories. And so I love the beauty and the simplicity, but also the complexity that are in these parables. And so I'm going to talk to us today about the parable of the hidden treasure, Now, the parable of the hidden treasure is one of the shortest parables in the Bible. The whole thing is actually just one verse long. And so you can fit the entire parable in one tweet, all right, even before they extended the character number, all right? But I know no one besides celebrity really uses Twitter anymore, so how about this? You can also read the whole hidden treasure parable in one 15-second TikTok template, all right? Is that better for you? But the point is this. It's a short parable, but the lesson is, is still equally deep. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, looking at verse 44. So if you want to follow along with notes on your phone, you can uh, search lexcity.info. There's a little button there that says sermon notes for you every week that you can follow along with. But Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 says this, "'The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field.'" Now, I know besides Ron Swanson, no one is hiding their wealth in the ground anymore, all right? Thank you for my Parks and Rec fans. But this was a very common practice in ancient times, especially during times of trouble like war. See, there wasn't banks back then, so if you had a large amount of money and you wanted to keep it safe, you would bury it. And then especially if you were under attack, which happened a lot to the people of Israel, you would hide all of your wealth so that the invading army wouldn't confiscate it. But then what would often happen is the person would die in the invasion, and then no one would know where they had just hidden all their money. A really cool archaeological discovery was the Copper Scrolls at Qumran. It was this scroll that had 64 different hidden treasure stashes and listed where they were um, under stones and cisterns and fields and in different burial mounds. So it's literally a treasure map with 64 little X's on it with all of these hidden treasures. And I think that would have been the funnest discovery out of all of them because then you got to go follow this map and find all of these hidden stashes. And so Jesus tells this parable, and it would have been very relevant to the crowd he was speaking to because it wouldn't have been uncommon for them to have just heard about someone in their village who had found some treasure while they were working in their fields. And I love this story because it really speaks to this childlike dream we all have of finding hidden treasure somewhere in our backyard or wherever. In fact, my wife still has this dream. She hasn't given up on it. She really believes that she is going to find a dinosaur bone or some strange ancient artifact in her own backyard someday while she's gardening. So every day she goes out and gardens. she's got her little bag with her for any discoveries. What's funny is even on our mantle at home right now, there's this jawbone of a wildcat that my wife did find in my parents' backyard. And so the fact that she did find something once means the dream is never gonna die. She will be looking forever. But we're all like that. We all have this childlike dream. We all love stories like that of Roy Westing. Roy Westing was this collector who his two sons gave him $5 to go to this rock show to buy them a rock. And so Roy finds this table that says, any stone, $15. And he only had 10, so he bargains down this ugly potato-looking rock to the $10 that his son gave him. Well, it turns out that ugly potato-looking rock was the largest star sapphire ever known, and when it was cut, it was worth $10 million. And so we all love stories like that, right? We all have gone through that phase of where we're watching Pawn Stars or American Pickers or Storage Wars or any bargain show on HGTV, because we all have this dream of finding a treasure at the cost of nothing. And so we uh, still have this desire. Imagine for a second, I had the winning numbers of the $87 million Powerball lottery ticket. All right, I don't know exactly how the lottery works, but just imagine I had the exact numbers you needed to win the entire thing. And I was willing to give them to you for free right now. You feel that little excitement that you just had? What Jesus is saying, that feeling is what it's like to experience the kingdom of God, or at least what it's supposed to be like to experience. That's what this parable is all about. See, some scholars have thought that this parable is about the cost of the kingdom of God or the cost of discipleship, that you have to give up everything in order to follow Jesus. But this story is not about the cost of discipleship or having to follow Jesus. This story is about wanting to follow Jesus. See, this man didn't find this treasure and then go, well, great. Now I guess I have to sell everything I have in order to afford this. I'm going to have to make this trade because I found it. No, it says he finds this treasure and has so much joy. He realizes this is worth more than everything else he has. And therefore he sells it all in order to get this treasure. See, this is what it's supposed to be like when we experience Jesus. And it's supposed to be what our life is like the entire time we're following Jesus. This joy and excitement that eclipses everything else we have. Is that how you would describe your relationship with Jesus? Would you use this parable to explain your experience of the kingdom of heaven? That it is like this treasure that you have found that is worth everything else, better than everything else you had before. I think if some of us are honest, we would probably choose a different image to, to explain our, our experience of the kingdom of heaven, right? Maybe if you're honest, you would say the, discovering the kingdom of heaven was like discovering a never ending list of to-dos that I have to keep feeling guilty about. Or maybe discovering the kingdom of heaven is like discovering this ball and chain that keeps me from having fun, but I have to wear it because that keeps me from doing the things that will keep me out of heaven. Or for students, maybe you can relate to this one. Discovering the kingdom of heaven is like having my parents be the chaperone on a school trip to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to. right, like, mom, I just wanna go to Kings Island and spit off the roller coaster with my friends, right? We all sometimes have viewed the kingdom of God this way. And if that's how we describe our relationship with Jesus, I think we are missing the treasure. We're missing the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's offering to us. This parable is not about the obligation of following in the kingdom. It's about the joy that comes when we find this treasure. And so I think if our experience of the kingdom is feeling like this list of obligations that we begrudgingly have to follow, then we've missed the treasure. All right, maybe we followed the map, but we have missed the spot. We're digging a foot off from the actual mark and we haven't really experienced the treasure in our life because a true experience with God brings an undeniable joy in our lives. See, this small parable teaches us two things about the kingdom of heaven. And I think those two things are connected. It teaches us this, discovering the kingdom of God should fill us with joy and rearrange our priorities. Fill us with joy and rearrange our priorities. First, it should fill us with joy. Anyone who finds a treasure would be so excited. I can remember back a couple years ago, I was hiking in the mountains with my wife and we summited the mountain and we decided to stop for lunch. So we started eating the lunches that we packed and we started just to walk around and look over the mountain pass. And all of a sudden under this little pine tree, we see this little green ammo box. My wife immediately thought it was a bomb, and I had to explain to her, no one's putting a bomb on the top of a remote mountain in Colorado. And so I go and open it, and it's full of these uh, medals and diaries and all this memorabilia of this soldier from World War II. And I think their family had just created this little memory keepsake for people to find and learn all about his life. And it was so cool. I was absolutely loving it. I was reading it. I'm like, how I can't believe we found it. It was like this hidden treasure that we had found. But here's the thing. I did not leave that experience going, I need to make sure that I can buy this mountain so that I can own this amazing treasure, right? It was cool, but it didn't bring me that kind of joy. That's the difference with the treasure of Jesus. That when we really experience and find Jesus, it is worth giving everything we have for it. So why does this treasure bring us joy? Because just like every one of us has this desire in us to find hidden treasure, We also have been created with this desire for a purpose for our lives. We all have this hole that we're trying to fill that even the richest and most famous celebrities are still trying to fill. And it's this hole that is a connection with the God who created us. That is the joy that Jesus offers. That is the treasure. See, the joy comes from being reconnected with the God who created you and has a plan for you a joy that can weather the ups and downs of life, a joy that is more valuable and useful than anything else in this world. Jesus brings us joy because there is a desire and a hole in us to be connected with God. So have you experienced that kind of joy? Well, TJ, I think so. I remember making a prayer, but I don't know if I really experienced that kind of joy. How can I tell if I have this joy? That's the second part of the parable. The man's response, he says, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. See, a life that experiences God has a change of priorities, right? The man, not out of obligation or out of legalism, but out of desire, went and sold all that he had because he realized this new thing that he has found was greater and more valuable than everything else that he had. What does a life look like that has found the treasure of the gospel? It's a life that's changed. The Bible is full of different stories of people who met Jesus and his forgiveness and had a change of priorities afterwards. Think of Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Luke chapter 19. After encountering the forgiveness of Jesus, he goes back to all the people he had stolen from and pays them back four times the amount and gives half of all he has to the poor. The Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter four, after encountering Jesus and his forgiveness, changes from a life of promiscuity to being one of the greatest evangelists in her town. Saul in Acts nine, after encountering the forgiveness of Jesus changes from killing Christians all over the Roman empire to being the greatest church planner in history. A life that has experienced the forgiveness of Jesus has a change of priorities. See a, an experience with this treasure, an experience with the kingdom of God leads to a change of lives. See, I think sometimes we think about following Jesus as there's this great moment of joy where we experience his forgiveness and we're at the top of the mountain. And then the rest of our lives is kind of the burden of following all the rules that we now have to follow. But that's not what happened in this story. The man doesn't sell all he has begrudgingly, right? He, It's a natural response out of the joy that he has found. See, there's a lot of things in my life that bring me joy, but none of them bring me the peace and the joy that Jesus brings me, right? There is a different type of peace and security that I get from Jesus that I get from nothing else that I enjoy. But there are many things I enjoy. For example, like video games are something that I enjoy. And during COVID, I'm playing more video games than ever. Probably many of you can relate to that. So whether it's Call of Duty or Madden or just 100%ing some game that I had already beat a long time ago, they're things that I enjoy. But if for some reason I was given a dilemma or an ultimatum where I had to choose never playing video games or never being with Jesus, it's an easy choice for me. I'm never gonna play a video game again because it doesn't bring me the kind of joy my relationship with Jesus does. Another one for me is snowboarding. Probably my favorite thing to do of all time. I absolutely love it. But I would give up snowboarding before I gave up Jesus, right? Before I went into full-time ministry, I had probably one of my dream jobs. I was working for Burton Snowboards, but that job did not bring me the joy and fulfillment in my life that following Jesus has given me. A life that has experienced the forgiveness has a change of priorities. I now want joy and peace more than I want happiness and earthly security, Matthew 13, this parable reminds us that these two concepts are connected, right? The change of priorities has to come out of joy. If following Jesus has become a list of expectations that you just follow begrudgingly, I think you've missed the treasure. The change of priorities is supposed to be a natural response to the joy that you find. It wasn't even a question for this man. It was his natural response. The very first thing he did was realize what I have just found is worth everything that I have. And it was a natural response to give away it all to, to secure this new treasure. Again, I'll use uh, snowboarding as an example. All right, my default uh, personality is I like to stay up late and sleep in late. All right, I, if the world ran by my schedule, we'd stay up till four and wake up at noon. That's just how I am. But when it comes to snowboarding, my priorities on sleep completely change. Because when Tia and I go snowboarding, we want to be as close to first chair as possible, meaning we want to be the first ones up on the mountain. Because if you can get fresh lines, meaning get on the mountain before anyone else has made tracks, it is the greatest feeling ever. All right, especially during a powder day, like there is no question we want to be the first ones up on the mountain. All right, because there's this feeling of fresh snow that is like floating that you just can't even explain. I get giddy just talking about it or looking at pictures from it. And so my priorities on sleep totally change when I'm snowboarding. I am actually excited to get up before the sun and to go to bed early the night before because the joy that I know will come from being the first one on the mountain. It's this natural response. The joy of what I know I'm gonna experience changes my priorities, not out of obligation, but out of a want to experience more of that joy. This is what life with Jesus is supposed to be like. There's supposed to be so much joy in our life with him that it naturally changes all the things we're seeking after, all of the things we have priorities for. See, I see so many Christians that just look miserable, following Jesus and I'm like, where is your joy? You seem to have no joy in following Jesus. Have you really experienced this treasure? Because if there's no joy, you've missed the treasure of Jesus. I get to see this all the time, working in student ministry. You get to see that moment for a student when they switch from just following everything the church says they're supposed to do because they think they have to, to that moment you see they found the treasure and they have a relationship with Jesus. And what's funny in those transformations, a lot of times they start to actually enjoy the Christian rules that they used to be complaining about beforehand, because there's a change of priorities when you have found Jesus. So have your priorities changed because of the joy that comes from living for Jesus? Has everything else that you've worked for and strived for, does it pale compared to the joy that comes from connecting with God? See, it's not bad to work for the things of the world, but have those things become more valuable to you than Jesus? If you're honest, which one of these brings you more anxiety? A life without your job or a life without Jesus? A life without your friends or a life without Jesus? A life without your weekend plans or a life without Jesus? See, the man in our parable realized that there was nothing he had that was more valuable to him than the kingdom of God. So have you experienced this kind of joy? Have you discovered the treasure of a life with Jesus and has it truly changed you? Are you any different? Are your priorities any different because of the treasure that you've experienced? Is Jesus truly the most important and valuable thing in your life? See, I think some of us have found the treasure But if someone looks at our lives, it's clear that the treasure really wasn't that valuable to us. Has the joy of what God has done for us created a change in your priorities? What would your calendars say about that? What would your friends say about that? What would your families say about that? The kingdom is heaven, is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Some of you are watching and you don't feel like you've ever really experienced this type of joy. Maybe you've been digging in the wrong place or you just didn't even know there was a treasure to be found. And you're asking, what is this treasure? How do I get this joy? Well, the treasure is the gospel that Jesus the good news of Jesus that human beings have all sinned or done wrong things and because of that we are imperfect and there is now a gap between us and our perfect God but then out of love Jesus came and died as a sacrifice for our sins to create a bridge for us to fill that gap and then he rose from the dead three days later like he said that he would and because of that he now can offer us this chance to be right with God again. All we have to do is express our need for him. And if you've never done that, I'm going to give you a chance in a moment to be able to do that for the first time. There's others of you that are watching online and you don't really know where you stand with God. Maybe you've heard the gospel before, but you don't really feel like you've ever experienced this joy. Or others of us, maybe we have just let our priorities slip. And if we're honest, Jesus is not the most valuable thing to us anymore. Maybe you just need to take this moment and just recommit to God. Recommit to that treasure that you once found. But if you want to experience the joy and new life that comes with Jesus, you can say this prayer with me. It's not a magical prayer that saves you. It's not the specific words said in the right way. It's just your heart connecting with God and expressing your need for him. And so as I pray, you can copy this after me. You can say it out loud or just in the quietness of your heart, but this is just a chance for you to speak with God. And so let's pray together. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. But today I choose to put my faith in you. I ask you to save me. I want to experience true joy in my life. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the grave like he said he would. I'm tired of living for me and I want to start living for you. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that, I just want to celebrate with you. I'm so excited for the new joy that you have found. And so we would love to just connect with you and have you let us know. So there's a button you can click that says, I prayed, or you can go to lexcity.info and hit, I prayed. We'd love to give you some more resources and just help you take the next steps now as you begin to find more of this joy in Jesus. And as you go throughout your day, Whether you prayed this for the first time, whether you committed, or whether you've been walking with Jesus 40 plus years and you still have that joy, I pray that we can go into our world with the new priorities that come of following the treasure that is Jesus. What a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Lexity.tv today. Don't forget, all services are available to watch on demand at Lexity.Church or on our Lexity app. You can follow us on social media at City Church for daily content and photos from the week, as well as updates and upcoming events. Again, we are so glad you decided to join us today, and we'll see you next week right back here on LexCity.tv.